three money. Act three. Act act three. How would Mae West say act three? Act three. Oh, act three, eh? <laughs> that, off the top of my head. Off the top of my head. Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is once again time for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast to casually stroll, mosey, if you will, to the third and final act of the podcast. And it is said third act, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all-new high-in-fiber, low-in-fat, and part of a delicious balanced breakfast movie of the week. And this week, my co-host Bunny is in charge, and the closer we get to his birthday, the deeper Bunny takes us into his amazing mind. Yes. And this week, we begin our trip with the pre-code 1933 Mae West movie, She Done Him Wrong. Fun fact for you, Bunny, to start off, she did this film as a public service, and they said, Mae West, you are a delight of the stage. You should do a movie. Maybe you could do one where you mention kissing men, <gasps> or maybe show a bit of leg, <gasps> or maybe mention sex and she said no i want to do a film that is a public service because now in 1933 the leading cause of death is accidentally falling into a knife yes i am gonna make a film that will teach people that accidentally falling into knives is bad yes that's what this movie is so that's how i figured i knew that like she passed her wisdom on to my family and they taught yeah. me. Yeah. That's why if you notice, like you and I have never accidentally fallen into a knife. Yeah, that's because of Mae West. Yes. I've come close, you know. Back in nineteen thirty-three, falling into a knife was the same as like uh dancing on a flagpole, you know, and other like nineteen thirties. It's like, hey Jimmy, let's go and uh toss a hoop down the Street with a stick. Oh, what a great idea. That's how all six-year-olds talked back then. Yes. Hey, buddy, let's go on down to the docks and chuck pennies at the, at the Hispanics. <laughs> then maybe after that, we can accidentally fall into a knife. That's how it was back in the day. Thankfully, Mae West, a hero. Bunny, uh, uh, it, First off, why this film? Why this film? Because we haven't done anything on Mae West previously. Uh, and this was like kind of her first film, along with sort of Cary Grant's first film as well. So it seemed to be an important film in the Mae West pantheon. Okay. Your thoughts, your preliminary thoughts on this film. My preliminary thoughts is that it does have a certain, like, entertainment value, you know? But yeah. I would have to put it more in the Little Rascals, Bowery Boys kind of category as opposed to, like, a, a Marx Brothers level. Yeah. Much like we kind of discussed before, for the most part, I, I, I had a hard time understanding what the fuck they were talking about. Fine. Yeah, I've watched so this movie three yeah. times. I really don't know what it's about. 
Yeah. I can only I can only understand about seventy percent of anything that anyone said. There's so much talking in this film. And what the fuck was Cary Grant wearing? What the fuck? I was I was like, is he a bellhop? Is he a chauffeur? Um, you know what the fuck? You know he 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 was like a like a temp temp temperaments tim. He was one of those people that played um, musical instruments on the streets and tried to get people not to go into jazz clubs and drink. Yes. Like in Guys and Dolls. I tried to see this movie in Guys and Dolls terms. They're like, yeah. okay, Cary is a cop who's hiding as one of those people that is trying to, like, oh, stay away from sin and temptation. Yes. Please come with us. It was Cary Grant's deal. I love this. The thing that I love about this film is that it's like 1933. So it's like, don't make me shoot you, Muggsy. <laughs> and then he just he he jerks the gun like this, and you hear a bang somewhere, and the other person just goes, oh, and doubles over, <laughs> and you never see a, a gun being fired. You never see blood. It's just, oh, you got me, like kids playing cops and robbers. Yeah. You know? And it's adorable. Yes. Okay, so she done him wrong. It's a pre-code film. Meaning that this was before the motion picture production code in 1934 cleaned up Hollywood. And you can tell that because, hey, there's robbery and murder and a guy cleaning up horse shit. Yeah. Which they definitely wouldn't have put pre-code. Some film buffs really go apeshit over pre-code films. So they're like, oh, it's pre-code. So, um... This was a starring vehicle for Mae West, who had courageously spent years before this movie writing and performing in scandalous plays that she would write herself throughout the like 1920s, yeah. including one just called Sex. She just wrote a book. <laughs> And it was too scandalous for the freaking Puritans and stuff. So they arrested her and they marched her to the station and everyone's like following and stuff. And they're like, okay, Mae West, you need to stop this play. It's too scandalous. And you can either pay a fine and leave now or you can go to jail for 10 days. And she basically went like, hey, if it means I get in the papers, I'll take the 10 days. So she so she just stayed in prison and made all of these freaking headlines about how scandalous she was. She also did another she also wrote another play called Drag that was a serious look at homosexuality. Yeah. And it, damn, you were fighting some good fucking fights in the 1920s and also she uh would demand to do these plays with uh, black actors and actresses during a time when like no one was doing that. And she's like, oh no, we're going to take all, put all these black people into this movie. She fought the studio when she made She Done Him Wrong because she's like, okay, for the person that's working for me, no, I want a black actress. And they're like, do you though? It's 1933. We can get some white people. And they're like, no, we're going to get, we're going to get a black person and, and going to come in here and get paid nice and act. And, and so she fought tooth and nail for 
or the, the black servant in this movie. And and this is what always fascinates me that I've brought up a few times. Okay, see, like now that person in that role comes off really, really racist. And Mae West yeah. having a black servant also comes off really, really fucking racist. But at that time, this was a this was a fucking victory. Yeah, yeah. Or and a white person would have gotten that part. Yeah, when I first saw the movie, I'm like, oh, Mae West is being racist. But then I learned that like she fought for that black woman to be in that movie, and it's like, oh, fucking good for you. And she had a history of of, of giving work to black actors and actresses in her plays and stuff. Mm. And like, I had no idea how much of a of feminist pioneer fighting for gay rights and fighting for 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 to end racism and all this shit. I had no clue about any of this. So that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So she so again, Dar- Dario Argento, he would frequently have a, a, a very stereotypical gay character. But at the same time, that gay character would either be the lead of the story or very fucking close. You know? Yeah. So so it's like, yeah, it's a really bad stereotype going on here, but this was probably really groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. Because back then, like, the gay character is, you know, like, uh, the funny gay character on the sidelines. And this person's like, hey, this is going to be, like, the hero of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big-ass deal. So, she had done a play. Um, she created a character in a play, and that was Diamond Lil. And the play was so scandalous that people are like, oh, oh, you you can never do this play again. So then Paramount came along and they're like, hey, this play of yours was really popular and we're almost bankrupt. Yes. We're we're like about to go out of business. So maybe you can do this Diamond Lil character in a movie. And then the the like the the government like police officials are like no you don't get it we have banned this character she can no longer be diamond lil anymore she can't she can't she can't be this character anymore it's too scandalous so she changed the name from diamond lil to lady lou and that is this movie yes and she says the story that she discovered cary grant but also two other people say the exact same story. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But according to her autobiography, um, she was just going through the Paramount lot. And she, you know, she like co-wrote the screenplay and she was like a producer for this. And it's a big yeah. deal that she was such a creative factor for this movie back then. And I had no idea how how much of a, a feminist a pioneer icon that she was. So she's wandering around the the back lot, and she sees Cary Grant, who at the time is just like a bit player, like small time actor guy. And he's like, "You, he's the guy. Look at him. He's gorgeous. I want him to star in the movie." And people are like, "Do you though? We, who, who, we, we don't know shit about Cary Grant. For all we know, he's a crappy actor." And she said, "If he can speak." I'll put him in my movie. Yeah. 
just look at him. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter if he's a good actor. Look at how handsome he is. If he if he can make words with his mouth, he's great for my film. And like, damn, good for her. Good for you. In 1933, here is like this woman that is just completely taking charge of herself and all of that. And oh my god, amazing! Um, that I mean, I don't know about discovering him, but she certainly helped jumpstart his career. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, they were yeah. in a few movies together, they were kind of like the Tom Hanks Meg Ryan of their day. Ooh, yeah, the Tom Hanks Meg Ryan of their day. So, so. Like he did movies before, but Mae West was the first one who was like, "You're going to be the the romantic lead in this movie." Yeah, and, and this was his first leading role. And it, that being said, this is a a bit of a difficult movie to get through in our modern times. You know? Yeah, the best movie. It's a bit unclear as to what is going on in the film. There's a scene when you first go into the bar and the bartender is pouring. There's like there there's like a plate. And on the plate are like three or four beer glasses. And the bartender just carelessly pours all of them at the same time and the beer gets everywhere and the head of the beer is just spilling all over the place. So the bartender <laughs> cooler and just shaves off the head of the beer and the beer gets everywhere. And I was so grossed out by this. Yeah. I was like, ew, you're serving wet ass beer. Like, and I'm gonna grab that, and my hand's gonna get all wet, and it's gonna be dripping everywhere. Like, fucking ew. Yeah. Ew. Like, you're setting off OCDs I didn't even know I had. Now I'm free. Here. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing that I could be freaked out about. Yeah. Ew. And then, like, the speaking, and it's like. Hey, Jimmy, don't you give me no sign of see? We're going to head over to the dock and figure out who's behind this, uh, who's who's this hot character. We're going to figure this out. And it's like, are there captions on this video? Can I, can I get like a, you know, like when you're watching the Maury Povich show, like, would you like a, a teleplay of this? Like, what wh wh what do they used to say at the end of the talk shows? Like. Oh, God. Yeah. A transcript, right? Would you like a transcript of today's production? Like, can I get a transcript of she done him wrong so I can read along at home? Because I'm not fully sure what the fuck's going on. Yeah. This movie. But apparently this film was like a huge hit and it saved Paramount from bankruptcy. So Paramount named a part of their uh, film studio lot after her. Because basically, she saved Paramount from going out of business because nice. this movie was such, as evident by the fact that there was a cartoon parody. Yes, and I was blown yes. away. That, that like, was a she, great way to wake up this morning. <laughs> that she done him wrong was such a big hit that later that same year, some bimbo knockoff made the cartoon she done him right. And it's like, damn, that's how big of a movie this was, that there were, like, Weird Al parodies of this movie out there. Yeah. 1933, like, damn. 
good for you. This was nominated for Outstanding Production, which they later renamed Best Picture. So this is the shortest film that has ever been nominated for Best Picture because it's like 62 minutes long. So this is the shortest ever Best Picture nominee, but it lost to some movie I didn't write down. It wasn't that good. It was nominated. It was nominated. So that's how big of a movie this was. This was yeah. this was a big deal at the time. It, 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 there were some scenes that I thought were cute. I liked, in particular, I liked the scene where she goes to the jail to see her ex-boyfriend and everyone in the jail has been with her. Yes. I yes, really like <laughs> Like, oh hi, Lou. And it's like, oh, dude, damn. I, I don't know. I, I didn't know you were in here. <coughs> Keeps walking in the next room. There's two guys. Hi, Lou. It's like, oh, <laughs> boys, fellas. And like, I thought that was cute. Yeah. Uh, like, it was a cute film, but but fucking scandalous. Yeah, no, this was scandalous for the day. I was really impressed with the scene where where the she's fighting with the lady, Russian lady, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. She's fighting with the Russian lady, and, and then the lady accidentally falls into the knife. And she's like, oh, shit. There's like a few moments where she panics, and she's like, oh, shit, I just accidentally killed someone. There's a dead body here. Oh, shit, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And someone walks in, and she just casually just like, oh, hi, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just combing this woman's hair. No big deal. Everything's fine. And it's like, damn, you switched that on in a second. Like, <laughs> you. Good for you. You you know how to cover for a dead body. Jesus. <laughs> that was that was some that was some cold-blooded impressive shit. Yes. Yes. And I like any film that's I like any film that's short. But it's yeah. just difficult to pay attention cuz who knows what the fuck this movie is about. It's about this guy and he I don't know. I I I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The guy and he owns a nightclub slash bar, and there's this other guy who keeps popping up, and he just he seemed to be the guy who would just show up to hint at things. Yeah, and he's like, "So, how are you? How do you like working here? You like working for Jim?" Well, I hear that Jimmy's been doing more than just selling drinks. If you catch my drift. I think he's been selling maybe some special dates, winkity, wink, wink. Anyway, I'll be gone for the next 20 minutes, and we'll pop up again to hint at something else happening. Mr. Exposition. Yeah, Mr. Exposition. So, what's it like? Ooh, Jesus. You have an amazing camera, honey. Jesus Christ. You took this picture? Where is this? On our car. Oh shit! There's a demon spider on your car. It had a hard time. It was focusing on the. the I see that. Collection of the. No, that that's an incredible. Yeah, it kept rearing up like this. Oh yeah, this is a it's pissed like, off hey, spider. What are you doing? Yeah. Are you wow. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's okay. It was worth it. That was a beautiful picture. Oh my god. Um, 
and then and then there are these Russians and and I had to watch the movie a couple of times because I watched the movie and then I started researching the movie and I found this website that focuses solely on pre-code films and they're like the most scandalous part of this was the white slavery aspect and I'm like where the fuck was that I didn't see any goddamn white slavery what the fuck are you are we watching different films well, because I have no idea what you're talking about so I had to watch it a couple of times to try and figure out what this movie was about and I'm still not sure but apparently well Boris and Natasha were trying to sex traffic that one girl yes that's what I eventually picked up on. Yeah. You know, but it took a while to pick up on that. Because it, it, it's difficult to, to make sense of this film. Because you, modern- you still can't out and out say it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this, this, was a, this was a fun trip. And I'm excited to see what else happens uh, this, this uh, bunny time. Yes. We are having right now. But before we end the discussion of the 1933 film, She Done Him Wrong, it is once again time for us to see if we can make a bad sequel of this film with our new uh, trend, which I am very excited about, our new segment called Can We Thor to It? Can We Thor to It? Yes. We're talking about the sequel to She Done Him Wrong, She Done Him Wrong 2, The Dark World. Now, I tried to stay in the moment. Because this is like a, this was supposed to be like a look at the gay 90s. And so what I thought for the sequel was it's set later on in American history. And now prohibition has shut down the bar. Yeah. May West works at. Now, the problem with sequels is that you really need to make money, you know? So I came up with a great idea that is both a, a sequel and a moneymaker. She can't serve beer anymore. So you know what she does sell? Delicious Shasta sodas. Yes. Because that way she's still serving stuff and a sponsorship. And it's like, what are you talking about, boys? I ain't serving no drinks other than the delicious taste of Shasta. <laughs> Maybe you and I can have a nice cold glass of Shasta later in my dressing room, if yes. you know what I mean. That's my very bad Mae West impression. But we need a, we need some money for the sequel, and that's how we get it. So it's a sequel slash Shasta commercial. Yes. I think it's a decent idea. Do you have any ideas, Bunny? I'm I'm thinking that Mae West is pregnant. Ooh, okay. In the sequel. And there is a high stakes gambling pool as to who the father is. Okay. You know, so they're all trying to vie for, you know, they're the father, they're the father, because really, there are no fucking tests. <laughs> yeah. So they have to kind of duke it out 
to to find out who the father of Mae West's child is, which is when Cary Grant leans back on his Golden Gloves experience. Nice. Okay. So there is the big match between the leading contender, which would be uh, Barrymore, who was in the prison. Wasn't that John Barrymore? Yes. He was a quasi-famous dude. Yeah. The one who was in prison. I can't wait. I can't wait. Dude, jack it off, okay? Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's time. Calm, calm your, calm your tits. Yeah. Uh, so he's the leading contender, you know, and yeah. and he he just represents the underworld and all, and the just the seamy side of the Bowery, you know, and 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 Cary Grant represents the struggle of the people to better themselves and arise above their conditions, you know? Um, yeah. So they're going to have a boxing match and that boxing match will determine who is the father of Mae West's baby and the bets will pay off. That's a, that's a decent idea. Yeah. That's a idea um i wanted to take a small amount of time and mention the fact that uh sergey the russian was played by a mexican guy okay who, who died and, and this is phenomenal to me because this movie was made in 1933 he died in 1994 yeah his name was Gilbert Rowland. Uh, that was the name he went by in America. His real name was Luis Antonio Damaso de Alonso. And he was born in the same small town in Mexico that my dad was born in. Yeah. And it's crazy because he started off his career as an extra in the 1923 silent film, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And the last one of the last things that he did was a 1980 episode of Heart to Heart. Yeah, that's a goddamn jump. <laughs> that's a goddamn jump and a half to go from the silent Lon Chaney Hunchback of Notre Dame to fucking an episode of Heart to Heart. Yes, he was in Kung Fu. Yeah. He Episode of Kung Fu. He was in an episode of Barnaby Jones, McCloud, Night Gallery. I mean, The Fugitive, nineteen sixty four. He kept working. Yeah, he did. He was uh, Combat, Death Valley Days, The Alfred Hitchcock Hour. He was a bad guy called the Knife in in the TV show Zorro in the sixties. This guy fucking worked. His credits are in freaking sane. And I just wanted to give a, a, a hats off to our guy, unfortunately named Gilbert Rowland. But uh, I want to give credit not to Gilbert Rowland, but to Luis Antonio Damaso de Alonso. Yes. Because that's, 
Dude, you you had a career and a half. Good for you. You know. Yes. Yeah. But so but fine. but since you mentioned, I th- I thought he died. I have always been under the impression, and I don't know where it got it from, is that uh, oh crap, what was that kid's name from HR Puff and stuff? Jack Wild. Yes. I was always under the impression that that kid died from like leukemia or something, which is basically why HR Puff and stuff ended. Is this is this some uh, maybe you think that because of the Mandela effect? Yeah, or maybe I'm just a fucking kid who was wrong about something. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I got curious, like like, and that's just in the back of my head, you know. But just in yeah. general, me being me, being at work, and all I can get is Google or Wikipedia, you know. I decide yeah. to to Wikipedia, HR Puffin stuff. Let let me spend the afternoon reading about HR Puffin stuff. And yes, Jack Wilder is dead. But he died in 2012. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's, Alcoholic that's a- most of his fucking life. <laughs> that's that's so weird that you bring that up because I recently decided to look up the Wikipedia for Albert B. Fall, the Secretary of the Interior during the Harding administration, who was responsible for the infamous Teapot Dome scandal, and someone who I bring up a ridiculously large amount of times in my children's YouTube channel. Yes. Because I just think it's funny. That's a weird fact to just roll off of your tongue like that. And so I, I realized that, like, I mention him a lot, but I don't know him personally. So I looked him up, and he has this nice big Wikipedia page. First off, first big fact I learned, his middle name was Bacon. <laughs> the name was Albert Baconfall. Yes. Love that, and and I told my wife that he probably got that name because it's like now Billy, now now Albie, do me a favor and hold this pig. Now don't drop it in the ravine. Up, oh, he dropped the pig again. That's the fourth pig we have lost this week into the ravine. That Albert keeps dropping the pigs. Yeah. Maybe we should name him as such. And that's how he got the name, yes. Albert Baconfall. But here's the craziest part. Here's the craziest part. He wrote the most famous bit of dialogue from the movie There Will Be Blood. Yeah. You know, 2007, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, you know that stupid line that everybody talks about from There Will Be Blood? I drink a you milkshake. I, I drink a you milkshake. And it's, you know, it was like a meme. I've never seen it. I mean to and I mean to watch it one day. But no, no, I don't remember any memes or catchy lines no. from it or anything like that. 
I drink your milkshake was like one of the most popular lines from that movie. So during congressional hearings concerning the Teapot Dome scandal in 1924, Albert B. Fault explained the concept of oil field drainage with a remark later adapted as a line of dialogue in the 2007 film There Will Be Blood. He said, sir, if you have a milkshake and I have a milkshake and my straw reaches across the room... I'll end up drinking your milkshake. Okay. So, so Albert B. Fall wrote a classic line of dialogue from Daniel Day Lewis's There Will Be Blood. Really fucking weird. Yes. Really fucking weird. Bizarre. And something I should have mentioned on Bunny Versus, but it's it's fairly short and and you've gotta check it out. So I'm cruising by Tubi. Yes. And I noticed that they had family affair. And I was like, you know, I'm feeling a little nostalgic. I I just want one episode of family affair, you know, get in and out. You know, I, I, I don't want to like watch the whole series or anything like that. So I go to Tubi and I'm like, okay. So I really just want a random episode to try to represent family affair, you know? Yeah. So I came down to something like season three and episode five or some shit like this, you know, where all the characters are settled in, the show's a hit, the show knows what it's doing, and this is going to be a fair representation of the show. So I watched the episode... And Uncle Bill is working out with a trainer in his gym, okay? And they're finished, and they're sitting on a bench, and they're cooling down. And the trainer starts telling Mr. Bill that he's concerned because his son is always playing with his daughters. And and he's he is very concerned about this. He is very concerned about the boy's <coughs> health. And they together decide that the boy needs to be sent to camp. No oh god. Okay. So he's got to like learn how to be a boy. Okay. Yeah. Before yeah before before he's flamboyant um, <laughs> okay mr bill comes uncle uncle bill comes home and he has been wondering all day you know jody is always playing with buffy and sissy i wonder if there's something wrong with him maybe i should send him to camp oh my god that's so funny because recently I tried to explain the plot of Bree's company to Bella yeah. and she lost it about it. Yeah. She's like, it was on TV. Are you serious? People watch this? And I'm like, yeah, the guy, the, the guy who's pretending to be gay, that was the voice of Clifford, the big red dog on PBS right before he died. And she's like, you're fucking kidding me. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He was a horny single living with two women, but pretending to be gay so he could live with two women. Mm-hmm. It's a hit TV show. 
And she was blown away by that. <laughs> oh my god, shows were shows were horrible. And I'm like, yeah, we're not gonna get into all in the family right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> you could not handle that. You could not handle all in the family. Yeah. Hey, so that was name. it. I, 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 we, we, we took a good tangent. Cool, cool. A, a worthy one. Yeah, I got Tubi on the TV because it's, because Tubi is where all the uh, Lucha Underground is, I believe. Yeah, yeah. All of the Lucha Undergrounds are there, so it's like that's room. That's reason enough for me. That's reason enough for me to to have Tubi. So we we pretty much have a wrap on this movie, huh? Yes. No, we are okay. all wrapped up. Sure. Yes. Why do you want me to watch it? Is someone going to come and steal? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I will absolutely watch it for you, Jane. Thank you for asking. There you go. I'm watching your stuff. So next week's movie. Hey, money. Hey, hey, do you want to buy Jaden's stuff? No, because I'm I'm watching Jaden. Jaden told me to watch his stuff, and he's gone now. So if you want a half oh. used and a water bottle, this looks pretty nice. I can sell it to you. Yeah, but he's been sucking out of the water bottle, so no. Okay, okay, good point, good point, good point. Yeah. So yeah, so that's all I've got for this week's film. She done him wrong. Um, I I I feel kind of bad saying this. It's not a racist thing. Yes. They should do a modern day black remake of this. Oh, movie. We we have not touched on how bad they were to Jews in this movie. Yeah, yeah. With the no, one with not. the one Jew cheating on his taxes, and the other one was just selling cigarettes, and the and the the cop was like harassing him for no yeah. reason, like yeah. But, but then but left like a modern day. Uh, remake of this, and it's yeah. some nightclub, and there's just some like strong woman. I, I don't know, Tiffany Haddish, <laughs> in this movie, just as a modern remake. I'm just saying <coughs> that would. Be- <coughs> I'm interested to see Bunny. What is coming next? I am. I, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I have no idea what is coming next. But but uh, what are we doing for next week, Bunny? Next week is a movie that I've been searching for for a very long time and have finally found and it has just raised more questions. The question being now, it's a good movie. Okay? Okay. But what did nine or ten year old me Loved this movie. Was his favorite movie in the world for a short period of time. That I've almost completely forgotten about now. Okay. Was it Convoy? No. No. Uptown Saturday Night. Starring William Portier. And Bill Cosby. We're watching a Bill Cosby movie. Okay. A Bill Cosby back in the day movie. It's not uploaded yet. I'll, I'll, I didn't want to be uploading it around the Zoom. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, the new Bill and Ted movie is also there for you. Cool. So. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, okay, so next week we're doing Uptown Saturday Night. We will also be looking at the history of the Hornbeck Movie Theater, and of course, can we Thor to it, which I'm I'm really looking forward to every week now. Also, next week we'll be talking a little bit more about May West. I've got some I've got some May West material here for oh, next yes? week. I, it was very difficult for me to not say it while we were discussing this week's movie, but I've got a lot more way met May West shit. To I talk about. I would be surprised if you didn't, and yeah. and had you mentioned something, it would have affected what next week's movie would be. Oh yeah, that's all okay. I'm saying. Okay, that's all I'm all saying. Right. I think you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, I, it, maybe, but but I've, no, I've got some things. I've got I've got some really good material uh, that has to do with uh, NWA okay. and May West. Shocking connections between May West and NWA. Really, so people just yeah yeah. We'll, we'll be discussing that, but that's next week. But now that I'm looking back at this week, uh, Neil Green, Straw Hats. Happy cookie parties. Happy cookie parties. It's Creek. I got to say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. I think it's been pretty good. This, this has been a damn good episode of the podcast. Okay. I, I, I felt the same way that you did, but I didn't want to step on your toes. You're the person who makes that decision. Anywho, I I concur with your assessment. With your assessment, good sir. So until next week. I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve. And on behalf of Natasha and uh, Jaden and Amber and Bella and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you Jewish waffles and cookie cuts. And you, and you, and you, I, I might have to. I might have to dye my hair black so I can play with backgrounds too. It's fun. It's really fun. It's a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Do 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 do